in this episode, the difference between acute versus chronic pain. Welcome back. Uh, we are going to continue. This is going to be part two, talking about pain. And we're going to talk a little bit about acute versus chronic pain. And what do we do about it? But first, Dr. Jess, what is in your glass? So I've got my morning smoothie. Uh, lots of uh, frozen fruit in there. Like I've got, you know, the berries and um, all the good stuff like that, the darker ones, which I like for all the benefits of uh, eating dark berries, anti-inflammatory and uh, for my immune system benefits, as well as protein, chia seed. Um, I've got some hemp seed in there. I've got some ground flax seed in there, my microgreens, and I've been making my own cashew milk. Do you realize how easy it is to make cashew milk? No, like literally all you do is you take cashews one I, I do for the whole week for both of us. I do three cups of cashews, soak them overnight. Then I rinse them. You put them in a blender. The ratio is one cup of cashews to four cups of water. Blend it. You can strain it if you want. I normally don't just because I don't mind it being a little crunchy, you know, and you can add a little bit of flavoring. I do a little cinnamon, a little bit of vanilla, blend it again, put it in a mason jar, put it in the fridge. Crazy so easy so it's got my cashew milk in there and um that's that <laughs> I'll have to try it I'm a little I am now drinking a little bit of almond milk I'm not drinking almond milk but I'm cooking with it because yeah. I can't use regular milk but I'll have to try it yeah it's really like and it's creamy like cashew milk is like um a little sweeter a little creamier um, okay so, anyway so Dr. Bobby what's in your glass I am still on my coffee. I have my coffee with almond milk. It's decaf coffee because you can't have caffeine. So decaf coffee with my almond milk and a little bit of French vanilla flavoring. I like it. So last episode, we went into more of that like bigger picture of what is pain? Is it bad? And uh, we talked about the all of the concepts of what is the experience that experiences that the brain uh, receives in order to make an interpretation of what you're feeling. And so pain is actually very complicated. It's not uh, a straightforward uh, concept. And it's thought of as a straightforward concept, which is oftentimes why we have uh, difficult experiences with it. So uh, if you want to know more about that, go back and check out that episode. Um, it was the episode that released the week before this one. Now, we're going to talk about in this episode, the difference between acute versus chronic pain and how we need to maybe think about those in different ways. So Dr. Bobby, if you experience acute pain, what would you consider to be kind of like the definition of acute pain? I kind of look at acute is like how just happened. Literally just happened. I just had surgery. I just rolled my ankle. I kind of look at it as like those first 10 days, um, a lot of the times is that acute pain. Um, and then you kind of have this gray period that's like subacute, where it's not quite acute, but it's not chronic yet. So like there's still, and for us as therapists, this, you know, we can do different things at different stages. Um, and so subacute, and then a chronic is like six weeks and beyond six weeks, three months, two, um, a year, you know or years, because uh, a lot of people experience that. So acute and chronic are very different. So when you think right. of acute, think of like right now, 
when you think of chronic, think of like many weeks and months. Right. Yeah, I like that. So if we're thinking as far as like acute pain, and uh, I like to kind of give my patients like a bit of an algorithm to go through Mm -hmm. in their mind when something happens. I do the same thing with a fall, you know, things like that. Like, like kind of that when we think of algorithmic thinking, it's more like if this, then that, if this, then Mm -hmm. that. Right. So if we're thinking of like an algorithm of how we would like immediately in the moment, boom, ouch, something happens kind of what are the different things that we want to like play out to make sure we are moving in the right direction? Like, you know, do I go to the hospital? Do I go home? (laughs) So I, um, I think two examples that are easiest are either a sprained ankle or if someone falls, right? Um, especially as we get older when we fall. So let's start with the fall. Yeah. Um, and what I teach my patients is when you fall, obviously a lot of times you're going to feel pain, but I teach them how to kind of lay on the ground and just start moving their legs in and out. Like, cause of, I, unfortunately, as we get older, one of the biggest things that happens in, in a fall is a broken hip or a broken bone. Right. So kind of lay there and kind of move like, can I move even, you know, like, is anything look down? Is anything sticking out? Um, if there's a bone that looks misshaped, if there's something that unfortunately, sometimes bone can come through your skin. So if you're actively bleeding, um, or there's something that shouldn't be there, those are times where like, it's time to call 911. Or if you, I'm going to pause real quick. What if you don't feel that what's happening? Right. So like you look down, the bone's sticking out, but you didn't even you feel that. Feel like, what's that? Um, That's a great question, Dr. Yeah. Jess. So <laughs> that's when your body goes into shock. Shock, yeah. So shock happens, which is yeah. why the visual check is super important during the acute screen. Like there, I it has happened to me when I had a piece of rebar go into the front of my leg. I didn't feel that happen. I did a visual check when I, I stepped into a hole. And so I brought my leg back out and I had pants on and I was like, mm, let me do a visual check real quick and make sure I'm okay. Nope. I could see my bone. So, but I couldn't feel it. So I knew my body was in shock. So mm-hmm. that's the importance of that visual check. Like you might be in shock and that's only going to last for a certain period of time. And then you <laughs> start feeling that. The shock period is what's going to allow you to keep a level head to get you into a safe place. And so, but don't, don't think because you don't feel something right away that it's not there. So that can happen. So, yeah, which I is what Dr. Bobby is saying with the visual check. Yeah. Yeah. Adrenaline too, which is part of shock, you know, adrenaline yeah. is going to, um, cause you to be able to do things you normally probably wouldn't be able to do. Exactly. Um, yeah. So like you want to check, just look around, like, don't, I think a lot of our instinct is to hop right up and it's like, no, take a second, take a breather right. Right. and check your body. Does everything feel okay? Now, if everything feels okay, then start moving, start, hop, you know, getting up, things like that. Um, but if there's anything wrong, that's where you need to call for help. And I think a lot of times people are hesitant to call 911 um, because their injury is not that bad, but in all honesty, it's probably the safest to prevent further injury occurring. 
Right. Um, because sometimes when you break a bone, if you break it bad enough, it can also affect like um, your arteries and things in that area, blood flow that are really important. So it's nice to have those professionals that know stuff that I don't even know, you know, know things to check that I don't know as a therapist, um, paramedics, and they, they have a different education and different training than us for a reason. Right. So um, I think when you first like have that major injury, check. Now, if it's not a major injury, I, what I do then I still, for, so for gymnastics, when kids would roll their ankles, at first I'd let them sit for a second and kind of let them breathe. But then we kind of start with range of motion again, similar, but can they move it? Okay. Okay. They can move it. Normally a sprained ankle is going to swell pretty quickly. Um, so then I'll see, can they, can they stand? Can they put any weight on it? Now I'm normally there helping them carry like lifting them up, supporting them. I'm not just like, Hey, get up. Um, but you know, making sure safety wise that way, if they can't put any pressure and they don't just put the pressure right away, it's like a little bit of pressure gradually more. Nope. That feels okay. Okay. Then we'll obviously take them to a safe area. And a lot of times what I now do is I will do soft tissue work right away. Try to make sure everything is good. And then I will wrap it. I'll compress that ankle as not as tight as I can, but tightly to help prevent swelling because a lot of the times the swelling is the painful part mm-hmm. that swelling. You'll see those things get big. That is what causes so much pain and debilitation. Right. Um, so that's kind of what I do for like those, like my mental process with like those specifically, but it's always like pause, gentle move. Okay. I can move, you know, visual check. And sometimes I might do the visual check first. Sometimes I can't see that injured part. So I need to lay there and I need to move to see if I'm okay to move. Um, And then from there, it just is like, what do I need to do? What is the most safe from there? Um, And going from that process. How about you, Dr. Jess? What do you teach your patients or what do you do on yourself? Yeah, I think that's like, that's the number one is like, always stop in the moment if something especially if something's traumatic like a fall or like is giving you a loud pain signal right like whoa like what's going on I need to make sure that I'm safe right so when we think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs right it's like food shelter safety so do I am I in a safety position or not Mm -hmm. and so we always have to have our basic needs met before we can move our way up so safety is like the one that we always check first. And so visual check. And then from there, do we need 911? Do we not? And any anything that seems like different than normal, I feel fuzzy, I feel dizzy, I feel um, like my heart's racing, like anything like that, like, you know, just don't discount because it's like, oh, I'm sure I'm fine. Like, you might not be, that's the real answer. And so like, just don't just like move it and just get it through it as fast as you can really try and understand what is going on. Why am I feeling this? And the minute that we start discounting things is when things get missed. And so you don't want to get so focused on like every single experience I'm possibly feeling, but if it's different than your normal, then whoa, pause and think what's going on. And so we shouldn't really feel some of these symptoms. And Mm -hmm. so that's, and that's okay if that happens, because that's why 911 exists. Then if all of that's negative, right, I can move. I did my visual check, everything, nothing's pointing in the wrong direction. You know, I've had to do this before with my husband. Like, we didn't know if he cut his finger off. (laughs) Honest, (laughs) 
like we was working on some baseboards my sister comes running in the room and she was like he cut his finger off and I was like okay all right you know went out and he's holding his hand and it's compressed and I was like okay we need to decide what to do next okay um so we're gonna you're gonna take the pressure off and I'm gonna see if it's intact right so step one like do we have what we need do we have the finger do I have to go find it <laughs> I mean honest answer so what do I need to know right now like in that moment I tended to know do I have time to find a finger or is it still attached and so I was like, okay, on three, make a plan. On three, you're going to take it off and then recompress. So talk about whatever you're going to do in advance. Make your plan in advance. Be mindful about how you're moving forward. Okay. Oh, okay. I see it. Great. All right. It's intact. We don't have to look for the finger. Next, I need to decide. It's clearly bleeding a lot. It's a deep laceration. However, can I go to urgent care and get that stitched or is the tendon gone, right? So mm -hmm. I will know if the tendon's gone, if he can move it, see what I mean? So next step is, okay, one more thing before we make the next choice, right? Because there's information I needed to know before I knew how to move on. So next thing was, okay, you're gonna take the pressure off and you're gonna try and bend it. If it bends, we're solid. If it doesn't, we're going to the ER. So on three, one, two, three, off, bend, back on. Okay, cool, tendon's on, so. <laughs> See what I mean? So like, there's just times where you have to like, what don't I know that I need to know? Because that's what's going to help guide my decision making for what I do next. And that's the importance of acute, that acute phase of like, it's very easy to get overwhelmed. So we've got to say like, wait a minute, what information do I need to know? Because I need to respond in some way. Do I respond with wrapping up the ankle? Or is it, does it feel really relaxed? Oh, I think we tore something. We got to get, we got to go, go on to the, to the hospital, right? So there's just things like we've got to know, can I put weight on it or can't I? Is it bleeding somewhere? Is it pointing in the wrong direction? So any red flag where it's just not okay, go use emergency services. That's why they exist. Now, <laughs> if we're not there, right? So red flags are negative, nothing's spurting blood everywhere, no bones pointed, pointed in the wrong direction. <laughs> we can put some gentle pressure through it and your brain's not going nuts because of the pain level. It's like, it's uncomfortable, but I can do it. Yeah, it's like, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. You know, now we can kind of think about the different approach, which is probably more you're staying home, right? You're not gonna rush to the ER for like an ankle sprain. So, and then number one, we know it's going to blow up. That's what the body does. It's the inflammatory response. And it, it's just, it's, it's going to send all these cells to that area to try and repair it. But it's such a big response all at once, which is why it gets so big. So inflammation's not bad. Yeah. Inflammation is what is healing your body. But too much of a good thing is what you're feeling as painful. So compression is like, the number one thing, it's going to support the ligaments or tendons or tissue that's damaged, right? You're going to give it a little help, a little boost at the same time as preventing this huge inflammatory response. So it'll still allow the blood flow to go through. That's why you can't over compress. So mm -hmm. anytime you're putting compression on, I always say, 
if check the what we call the distal area, the furthest point away from wherever the compression is, and an easy check is to do a capillary refill check. And so that will tell you if it's too tight and restricting blood flow or not. And all that means is pinch your fingernail bed and let go and make sure that it turns pink again. <laughs> so if it doesn't turn pink and you've got compression here and you're like, uh-oh, that's still, I pinched it, it's white, it's staying white, it's not turning pink again, hmm, it might be too tight. Okay, so like back off a little, okay? <laughs> like and it, it should come back quickly. Like yes. as oh, soon yeah. as you release, like, it should know. come back. So I'm if it's pinch. taking like 10, 15 seconds to come back. Pink. Yeah. 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 It's too long. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the other thing is no tingling, um, no increased swelling away like downstream from where the compression is, right? So if like like you let's say I compress my elbow. And if my fingers are starting to get swollen, right? Might be too much, right? Just back it off a little. Okay, so more isn't better. Everything is about balance, honest answer. Mm -hmm. So some compression, some elevation, some, you know, potentially like other techniques for like just positioning and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's not like more is <laughs> exactly what we need. <laughs> yeah. So, and I was gonna say, so two things. And I think when you're looking at these injuries also, um, you know, we talk a little bit about reframing and I think a great example is when a little kid skins their knee, you know, they're okay. So yeah. they skin their knee, they're on, you want to pop school? Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden they, they stop crying. And so there's something we can also do too. realize how much of a, uh, how much our emotional and our psychological really kind of play into it. So we can better assess truly what's going on mm -hmm. um, with that. Now, Dr. Jess, there's been a big change and a big kind of controversy in the past year or two about icing because we were mm -hmm. always told to ice after an injury. Right. Recently, it's kind of changed a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it used to be the rice method. So rice um, being like rest, ice, compression, elevation. So that's spelled rice. Now, I just prefaced this conversation with inflammation's not bad. So inflammation is all it means is that it's a cellular process where a, a, a tissue that's damaged, you're going to get a signal that the brain's going to receive that says alert damage, alert damage. And so the brain's going to say, oh, we need cells to come in and start that process of the repair. And it starts right away. I mean, boom, it's, it's going to send those cells and there's a whole cascade of events that happens in order for your body to repair the damaged area. So that's why I always tell people, I was like, my job as a physical therapist is really to just support your body's ability to heal itself mm -hmm. because you have that cellular capability to go from a fractured bone to a healed bone. I need to support that process so that your body can continue to do that and not be slowed down by anything getting in its way. So we don't wanna stop inflammation. We do wanna control it though. So we wanna mm -hmm. make sure that it's not this over response all at once. So icing is kind of meant to decrease blood flow. So if we compress and ice and elevate, um, then we're actually slowing the healing process, which is kind of a bummer, right? So, um, 
with the inflammatory phase, Dr. Bobby, how long does that typically last? And what should we expect during that phase? So that's where I think that matches up with the, what's considered acute, about 10 right. days. Right. So that um, process takes about 10 days for it to occur. And during that time, that's like the most critical time for that cellular process to happen. And for that, it's what it's doing is it's breaking down. So it's taking out all the damaged stuff and then it's rebuilding it. So if you're mm -hmm. doing stuff during that time, that's slowing down blood flow, that's decreasing the inflammation process. Um, I think a big one is what happens, what is what is the most common thing a doctor will prescribe when you sprain your ankle, when you get injured, anti-inflammatories. Right. Well, they do have their purpose, but their purpose is more when it's a chronic systemic issue versus this acute 10 days. And so it is much better to take like a pain medicine during that it's time like a Tylenol. Yep. Like, versus an anti-inflammatory. Right. If, if you can tolerate it, obviously, mm -hmm. sometimes it's just so over the top that like that ibuprofen does notch that pain level down enough that you can function. So I get that for sure. At the same time, the expectation is not that you're zero out of 10 pain two days after an acute injury. So mm -hmm. if that's the expectation, then most likely the way you're achieving that is by slowing down your healing process, typically. So, and this is what we see in physical therapy because we're going to see you three, four months later when this hasn't healed. So yep. see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And those, those anti-inflammatories have more of a process in that chronic Right. That chronic phase. For sure. Yeah. And at that point, we're just trying to get some stuff under control. So it's just about manage, uh, managing expectations. So I'm two days after a significant injury, but my expectation is I feel zero out of 10 pain. That's not realistic, mm -hmm. but that's what oftentimes we think of as the expectation. Really, after that injury, we need some pain signal coming in we need to know what's too much for that tissue and what's an under response, right? So like if I start doing more than what the tissue can tolerate, I need to not do more. The tissue can't tolerate that. Simple, right? So it's just trying to make sure that you're really understanding what is important right now because these first 10 days are critical in speeding me up. And so if I feel something, that's actually okay, okay? I need to understand why am I feeling that? So the more that you actually have that critical thinking going on, the better you're going to be able to interpret what to do about it and not just mask it with medication. So that might be, I hurt when I sit in my car, but I don't hurt when I sit at my desk. How about you change how you're sitting in your car, right? See mm -hmm. what I mean? So like, I hurt when I sit on my couch, I don't hurt when I sit at my kitchen table. So the typical response, I will tell you this, 90% of the time is that people will reach for a medication because they hurt when they sit on the couch, even though they can sit at the kitchen table with no pain. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Like, yes. you're like, what in the world? But we have taught individuals to mask it and to not understand it. So if you're stressing your tissues in a position, stop, <laughs> stop doing that. 
<laughs> go to what is okay and you're getting yeses so keep understanding what your yeses are and understanding what your no's are and then you'll start understanding oh i can do x y and z maybe i could change how i'm doing this and now this turns from a no into a yes and that's what we do in physical therapy is we find what are your no's what are your yeses how do we turn no's to yeses as fast as we can to move you forward as fast as you possibly can move forward. So it's like, it's just taking that pause. Don't just mask it. So there is time when medication is important. I'm not saying it's not just, it's not your only answer. It's not the only way you can get control back over the situation. You can figure that out. So typically. So Dr. Jess, in the acute phase, what are like, Give me the brief synopsis. Acute, I just injured myself. I don't need to go to the hospital because there's nothing wrong. What can I do to help myself in these next 10 days? So I like the biggest thing I tell people is one, it's, you know, managing your expectation of your things are going to feel sore. You're not going to be doing everything like you normally were. Like if you normally are running six miles, you're probably not. Okay. And that's okay. Maybe you can walk. Maybe you can even walk jog. So it's just a matter of saying like in this acute phase, what can I do? First is know your yeses. The next thing is manage the swelling. Okay. Compression is key. A lot of it comes into just noticing how your day is going. So like, do you, are you waking up and you feel pretty good? And then as the day goes, you're progressively getting worse. So that can be a number of different things. It can be you're just triggering it <laughs> with all sorts of things all day long and you're just stressing it too much too fast. Or it could be that you wake up and you feel awful and then you get better as the day goes on. Well, in that scenario, it's probably how you're sleeping. So like if you're like sleeping on your belly with your head turned off to the side and you have a neck injury, then you just like compress that for seven to eight hours. So you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, someone hit me in the back of the neck with a baseball bat. So, but you went to bed feeling fine. So then it's like a matter of like, you might need to change that sleeping position. So it's really about um, kind of taking that pause and understanding when and where am I feeling my symptoms and journal that. Like, you're not going to remember, I swear, like three days, like prior I don't remember exactly how I woke up. I don't remember exactly what happened at lunch. You know, um, you've got so many other things you're doing. So I tell people just write it down in a journal and it won't feel so um, like it nebulous. It'll feel more concrete. You'll see more of that cause and effect that happens as your day goes on. And so knowing that you're in an active healing phase is like, that's when you want to be very strategic. So that's kind of the big picture. And I like what I took from also what you said, like if you feel great in the morning and by evening, you're not feeling great, then maybe that means like you can still keep doing what you're doing, but you need a little more breaks. Yeah. Like after an hour or two, sit down, elevate for 15 minutes and then get back up and go see if exactly. that is what's going on. Or if you feel horrible in the morning and once you get up moving, you feel great. That means you need to get moving. You know, exactly. sometimes yeah, it could be in a position, but it could be like moving helps you. Right, right, right. So I think that's kind of like our, our, 
our big picture and like, how do we think about acute versus chronic? And if it's been going on for a long time, it's a completely different way of thinking. So it's not so like, oh my gosh, we've got this timeline. We have to be very careful in this timeline and strategic. Once we get to that chronic phase, that's where it's like, we've got to understand all of those concepts of the pain. So like what's stressing it? Where are the biological factors? Where are the emotional factors, psychological factors, environmental factors? And what is going on to keep this tissue tolerance low and the brain's interpretation as something is still hurting? And so really understanding how we think about both of those is going to be a, a completely different experience and how you're going to frame that situation. So um, moving forward, we're going to have more people coming on. We're going to be interviewing individuals in the next couple of uh, episodes. And so I'm really excited about kind of hearing others' uh, interpretations of pain, how they approach pain, how they've experienced pain, and what they've done about it. And the idea is that we're really trying to kind of challenge some of the belief systems and say, hey, like, you've got this. It's just a little bit more complicated than you might have realized. <laughs> so stay tuned, everybody.